to another episode of Passion for Passions. I am your host, Marcus, and I love passions. So, things are getting pretty hectic here in the episodes that we're going to cover today, episodes 354 through 360, because, well, a whole lot happened in the last series of episodes, mainly that Hank finally pulled up the courage, and on the 350th episode was finally able to shoot Sheridan, not once, not twice, but three times, until she ultimately perished. We will, of course, be covering that whole plot, because there is more to come in that whole scene. But let's start with episode 354, which is basically the fallout of this murder. Which is basically, of course, the Crane family is, well, from Ethan's perspective, very mad, at Sam and Louise, mainly at Harmony PD, for allowing this to happen. And the rest of the Cranes don't really care about Sheridan at all, apparently, and only see this as a way to ensure that, okay, good, the the um, Sheridan and Louise love is squashed, and also we can use this to turn Ethan against the entire Lopez Fitzgerald home, and that includes Teresa, so, of course, he will not marry Teresa. He will be gone from her life forever. So that's kind of what everyone is thinking. Ethan has a right to be mad at Harmony PD, but, um, really, the onus in this case falls on the FBI for, I guess, not doing their due diligence and believing the threat against Sheridan was over. I don't know, but also, the Cranes are rich. Why did they never hire their own personal bodyguards to tell with her the whole time? Why did they trust Harmony PD? They didn't have to. They could have let Harmony PD do it and still had their own personal guards involved as well. But I guess not. Um, so that's what's going on. Anyway, I noticed also there was a new Gwen actress and I'm like, oh no, it's a new Gwen. Is that temporary or is that like a thing now? I know it seems like maybe... Sometimes they will have stand-ins until the real actor returns, but also sometimes it seems like it's just that a real actor is gone and then there's someone else in there. Because, I don't know, I want the old Gwen. I love the old Gwen. Like, oh, I don't love her, but I mean, I thought she was really good. And this new Gwen, I'm, I'm like, well, I, I don't know you. You're not Gwen. Um, but we'll see. But Teresa, you know, is fantasizing about this double marriage between Louise and Sheridan, her and Ethan. But I'm just crying like it's over. That's never going to come true now because Sharon isn't even alive. So, yeah. Um, and because a lot of people have heard about this, about this murder, but not everyone, Teresa Pilar and Whitney all hear about it over the radio. And I was kind of wondering, what is Whitney doing there at this time? And especially when it's like getting more dramatic. I would just say, like, I'm going to excuse myself and let your family deal with this. I'm like, not going to be here. Anyway, um... So yeah, you know, Luis initially blames Hank for Sheridan's death because he knows that he left Hank there to take care of her. He doesn't know, of course, that Hank shot her, but he does blame him in that respect. And Hank uses the same trick he always does where he comes back with a bag of food like, oh, Sheridan wanted to get something to eat, so I like went out to get it. Like, too bad this is the 90s or early 2000s. I'd say, like, do DoorDash, bitch. Like, what are you talking about? But no, of course not. You had to go out and get food. But also, don't do that, you idiot. And also, that's like the lamest excuse. Oh, I was gone. But I guess no one would know because Sheridan is dead. And apparently, Sheridan's cottage is not rigged with cameras like the rest of the Crane Mansion is. Would have been really good if it were. Because then, uh, I don't know, even if it were, that would um, 
Alistair reveal those tapes? I don't, you know, probably not. Anyway, yeah, so that was like kind of the episode. Really, there's like no Tabitha and Timmy in these series, in these periods. There's also no Sam and Grace and Ivy going on, I think. Um, so which is interesting. We're kind of really honing in on Sharon's murder, which makes sense. It's a very big deal. Uh, and we're also, what else are we honing in on? Later on, we're honing in on uh, Kay again. And also a bit of Chad and Whitney coming through as well. But yeah, okay. So because of everything that's going on, Teresa is becoming emboldened. She's about telling Ethan that he's not a crane. She doesn't go through with it, but she gets pretty close a couple of times. Like she's, um, she's getting closer and closer. Like I think there's a point in these series of episodes where she has her laptop open and she has the letter and she's going to email it to Ethan, which is interesting. I was wondering who she might email it to. I thought she might email it to like the press or something, but no, she was planning on just giving it to Ethan, which is interesting because then it could potentially be a secret between them. But I'm sure Ethan would like ask his mom at some point, but his mom knows obviously. So anyway, um, because of this, yes, I mentioned that earlier. Julian wants to drive a wedge. Between Louise, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the only, like, Sam and Ivy thing is that at some point Sam and Ivy are arguing because she's hanging out, like, in the bushes. And she's like, you can't hate our son. And Sam is like, shit, what are you talking about? I know he's not our son. And then Ivy's like, oh, it was just a slip of the tongue. I meant mine and, you know, Julian's son, whatever. This whole thing while everyone is in the cottage with the dead Sheridan and, and whatnot and they take her away, Hank is like constantly cock-teasing about finally having to tell the truth. He's like, I have to tell you the truth. I can't hold it in anymore. Hank is such a baby. But also, of course, you know he's not going to be honest and tell the truth. He wasn't able to do it before. If he did, then he wouldn't have had to kill Sheridan. He can't. Whatever, whatever Hank's secrets are, must be so massive because he's never willing to let them come out even at the potential of having to kill someone he's like i don't care um funnily enough and they go to the police station and a random man comes up and he's like i heard the people talking about the murder at the dock you know i heard them and i heard them even throwing a gun into the water and this is so funny because to me it's like oh my god someone finally heard like these discussions that should not be happening loudly and in public that never happens in this show people are always saying incredibly dramatic and private things out loud and nobody ever hears it or they only hear like a tiny portion and then they misunderstand what the rest of it was supposed to be but in this case the man heard everything he heard the confession he heard i sh i killed sheridan crane with this gun oh my god you know like because they were saying it so explicitly um and this man also has, like, a good ear for voices, apparently, he says. Um, but whenever he's around and he says this, Hank just shuts up and is like, I'm not going to say anything because he doesn't want the man to hear his voice and say, yes, that was him. He's the murderer. Um, so that's that. Um, even in this time of recent death and tragedy, for some reason, Teeth Teresa cannot stop about thinking about Ethan leaving her. And in a way, it's a little bit much because it's like, girl, let him like grieve over his, his aunt that he loves so much. Uh, but whatever, that's what the show wanted to do. So fine. Um, Gwen is over at the Crane Mansion with Ethan and everyone else. Ethan's just sad and he goes into his room and he's like, you know, you don't need to stay with me, Gwen. But she's like, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to like draw you a bath and blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, Gwen finds the bear that Teresa gave him from the carnival, and she stabs it to death with a letter opener. And then she throws it away in the trash downstairs. I don't know why she... Oh, I guess she did it so Ethan wouldn't notice. But anyway, I was like, Gwen, you are weird. Like, killing... You know, quote, killing a bear. Really? How old are you? And um, it seems like with Chad and Whitney and Simone's stuff... Simone is slowly realizing that Chad loves Whitney, not her, but it's only as he's leaving, he's leaving because he's just like, I can't be here anymore. Um, Simone gets really mad, calls her mom a bigot. What? Excuse me, what? Calls her mom a bigot <laughs> and uh, runs away up the stairs. And you do kind of get where she's coming from because the mother never really treated Chad well. She kind of just had an idea of what a type of person Chad would be coming from the, quote, streets in LA or whatever and that he's a bad kid or a street kid street urchin blah 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 but uh he's just he's actually a really nice person but she just had her preconceived notions her stereotypes but as he's leaving she does seem to warm to him and she wants to actually reveal that they have a lot in common but she is not able to she kind of swallows that up and I'm like bye Chad <laughs> um but he actually doesn't leave he comes back up to the building because he lost something but then who is there with Simone I mean not excuse me Simone Whitney crying about Chad and that really touches Chad because he's like no one has ever cried for me no one has ever cared about me and that's enough to cry about me and so he's like I well now I want to stay because I know that you care about me but for whatever reason Whitney continues to swallow that love that she has and not just be honest anyway that's going on there just continues even though she's kissed him multiple times and been like i just want to be with you when the world is ending she cannot to his face in normal times just be honest that she loves him and i guess there is more to it because she does know in the back of her mind that her sister loves chad and that would hurt her a lot if she got with chad instead so there's kind of that as well as also as well as her parents who pressure her to not have a relationship i guess um but yeah it's sad uh, so yeah, I don't know. And then while Luis is out on the dock because everyone is looking for the murder weapon because the guy said the guy threw it in the water at the dock. They're all looking. Um, Luis has a fantasy of Sheridan on the dock with him. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? This is a fantasy. It must be. And it was. Of course, it's a fantasy. No one can find her. No one else sees Sheridan. Obviously, everyone knows she is dead. So this is just a very sad moment for Luis. I'm like, I'm so sad because... Luis is just having this little fantasy, this little dream that Sheridan is still alive and that he can still hug and hold her. And I was like, this is so sad. I feel so bad for Luis. He's like thinking she's there and then he's realizing, no, she's truly dead and I just really want to see her again. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sad, Luis. Um, so yes, in another episode, I guess 357, I might have skipped over or something, but whatever. Um, Ethan is sleeping and he has a dream about Sheridan. And in the dream, he asks Sheridan who he should marry. And Sheridan says to choose Gwen. I think that's an interesting dream because why? Uh, because Sheridan does know that Ethan was having thoughts and second thoughts. And he knew, she knew that he was falling for someone else. And, you know, because he came to her with these concerns. And he did it. He cared enough to cancel the wedding. Sheridan knows this. She was alive when the wedding was canceled. So I don't know why in the dream she's saying she's Gwen. It kind of seems like unlike Sheridan to give a decision like that. 
Sheridan would normally be like, choose what your heart wants, you know, which was what she was saying when she was alive. So I don't know. Oh yeah, Teresa comes over to the Crane Mansion, even though everyone says, no, don't go. Um, and Gwen bitches at her because of course she would. She's like, get out of here. Um, and yeah, see what he did to your bear? Not revealing she's the crazy one who did it. Um, but, and then uh, I think it's, who's there? Julian and uh, Rebecca are there and they're like, get away. Where is Ivy? She's been like gone. So is Sam. Like, it's like, it's kind of like they, I don't know if they frame the episodes so that certain actors don't have to appear or what because it seems like there's always periods of time where certain actors are not around at all and is it just plot or is it also contrived plot where we know people are not going to be available like we're giving them breaks so like always cycling them out i don't know because it would be hard to be a soap opera soap opera actor because you're there like you're recording five episodes i don't know how you would do it i assume you wouldn't record every day Maybe you just get five, crank out five episodes in one day and then be done. But still, that's a lot of work. These episodes are what, 40 minutes long? That's a lot of recording and acting, even though it's, you know, going back between different characters. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious if there are like stories about like what it was like on the set and what it was like being a soap opera actor. Um, because I would really be interested to know more about like what that work is like. Um, yes. So let's see here. 358. Not a lot to say in some of these episodes. I was like, is Teresa going to email Ethan the proof? Uh, but she does not. We know she doesn't do it. Um, Luis is just out all night. Very, like, he's like, I got to keep working. I got to not stop and think. Because if I stop and think, I'm going to be sad about Sheridan. I'm like, oh, Ethan. Uh, I mean, not Ethan. Oh, Luis. I love you. I'm so sad. Um, episode 359, which I kind of messed up on my notes. So I think if this is all one episode, but who knows? Um, which is some just some more stuff going on. The cranes make up some quotes to put in the newspaper to make Ethan sound like he hates the entire Lopez Fitzgerald clan. Ivy comes back. So here's some Ivy. It's like, don't do that. Don't put that in the paper. He needs to be on the good side of the... Uh, Harmony PD, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. In between Luis and Hank and Sam, Hank is acting weird. Sam notices it and he's wondering why he's acting so weird. But then, shocker, they find Pierre. They've got Pierre and Harmony PD. They're like, this is the killer. So good. Um, and then, like, the cliffhanger of that episode, I think, is something more, like, um, that there, everyone is coming to the funeral of Sheridan Crane. It's open casket. Sheridan is in the casket, and I was sad. Because it's like, oh, no, this is real. Not that I didn't already think it was real, but it's like, it's more real. She's in the casket. Um, Teresa and Lewis are there when Ethan and Gwen arrive, so it's like, ooh, drama's going to start. These two are coming together. But, um, yeah. So they get angry, of course. They can't. They, have, they all have to spark as soon as they're in each other's presence, despite being in a church for Sheridan's funeral in front of Sheridan's dead body. Um, so some parts here that bothered me, like I was thinking, Teresa, maybe it's a bad time to be feuding with Gwen in the church right next to Sheridan's body. That's what they do. Um, Teresa does because uh, they kind of get separate ways. He wants to talk to Teresa alone. 
He re- and while they're talking, Teresa reveals that she was trying to contact Ethan. She called. She came to the mansion. And he just kind of goes like, oh. Um, but doesn't really seem to be that mad that the fact that everyone obviously was lying to him and gaslighting him about uh, Teresa coming over. So, yeah. We've got a really funny moment where, like, uh, Kay is at the book cafe and she's reading a bunch of books about souls. And for some reason, I never realized this, but the book cafe is like a library, isn't it? Not like a real library, like full, but it's got books that you go there and check out to read or you can just read them in the cafe. I don't know why I didn't realize that, but that makes so much sense why it's called the freaking book cafe. But what a boring name. I have a cafe that also has books. Uh, book cafe. Like, please. Oh my god. Anyway. Um, so yes. Kay's reading books about souls because there's multiple books about souls at the book cafe, apparently. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Simone comes by and she's like, what's going on? Now they're like not friends anymore. She's like mad. Um... And also Kay was talking to uh, Hecuba, but no one could see Hecuba, of course. So she looks like Kay's going a little bit cuckoo. And to me, I'm just thinking, oh man, everyone's going to think she's like, just like, sh- sh- you know, share, um, what the fuck, Charity now. Because she's getting super weird, just like Charity was. But people seem to act like Kay's weirder, which is not true, especially when you got Charity around, please. There was a big reveal that doesn't seem to matter anymore, which is where Kay reveals to Simone that she made up the whole pregnancy thing to begin with. It wasn't even a real rumor. Um, and Simone's like mad for a second, but then she like doesn't even care, which is weird because this would have been a big plot point to reveal earlier on, like when everyone was coming up to Kay to be like, okay, is this girl real? What's the story between this behind this rumor? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so Kay goes out into the woods and prays to God but while she's there, Hecuba arrives in a new outfit, may I add. That's very cool. Um, and ends up getting dragged, choked by vines, and then dragged underground. So Whitney is hanging out at home while everyone else is everywhere else. And she's like, could Chad love me? And I was like, girl, you are so stupid if you don't realize that by now. What are we even talking about here? You know he loves you. Oh my god. So, whatever. Harmony PD continues to be incompetent because even though they believe 100% that this is the killer, and he had a murder weapon, and he was trying to flee the country, and he's known by as a like wanted criminal by Interpol, they release him because they know he can't be connected to the murder. Why didn't they wait till he got the till they got the prince? They don't even have the prints on the gun yet. Why would you let him go? How are you supposed to catch him again if he's like, if they find out the prints are his? What the hell? Harmony PD is the most incompetent thing ever on earth. They should have at least waited till then. Although I'm wondering, because I feel like they said that the gun was not the Canadian border. So it was, I guess, I guess it was um, Pierre's gun. But was that? Did I just mishear that? Did they find the gun in the Harmony waters? Because... Um, Pierre was like, they won't find my prince on that gun. And if that, I mean, if it's his gun that he still had on his body, it would be his, his prince would be on there. Or nobody's prince would be on there, I guess, because he was wearing gloves. But what does that mean? No, because, um, Chad, uh, because Hank's prince would not be on that gun. His would be on the ones that were in the water, um, at the Harmony docks. Maybe I just misheard it, but whatever. Um, so Pierre is released for some stupid reason. 
And episode 359 really ends with a kicker because at the end of the episode, we get a like, close up on Sheridan's body in the open casket and her finger is moving. My notes are, are so funny because I've got like a million question marks and exclamation points. And I'm like, Sheridan isn't dead. Her finger. <laughs> Which sounds so idiotic to anyone and everyone. But I was flipping out when I saw her finger moving. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? What are you even doing show? And then like my mind was going a million miles a minute because I was like, she was shot three times. Everyone said she was dead. She had an autopsy performed? How is she not dead? Um, and then the autopsy thing is really the big kicker. How could you have an autopsy? Doesn't that mean like someone opens you up and looks around in your body? Um, and if you're not dead, I think you would be bleeding during the autopsy, which is like normally when you're dead, you're not really bleeding actively anymore because your blood's not pumping through your system. Um, so, but I put all that aside and like put on my passion soap opera cap and I was thinking, okay, passion soap opera cap, what does this mean? And it means that Sheridan is in a coma and that's why she is not up. She's not talking Maybe she has a very weak pulse and very weak breathing, um, but she's in a coma, and that's why all she can do is move that little finger, that little finger. Um, I'm not going to try to say how that makes sense with everything that everyone did, where they, you know, the paramedics checked on her, our favorite Dr. Eve checked on her, and nobody would find that she was alive and in a coma, but we will not consider that, at least right now. I wonder if they'll give an explanation. But yes, in episode 360, first let's start with Kay and Hecuba. She's dragged underground to Hecuba's cave again. And Kay, like, looks in a mirror, sees her face looking all old and, like, fire around it. And Kay says, oh no, I'm in hell. Which is funny as hell because I love that idea that if you were in hell, would the first thing you say be, oh no? I don't think so. Maybe more like a bad word. Maybe more like, fuck. Anyway, yeah. So, a lot is going on in this episode, um, which is that uh, while everyone is in the church, Eloise and Teresa are talking, and Teresa gives the hypothetical, what if Ethan loved me? And hypothetically, Louise says he would never speak to Teresa again if she married a crane. And I felt bad about that, but also confused, because why? Why are you so saying that? What? I mean, think about it. You loved a crane. You loved Sheridan. So why are you still this harsh about it? Do you realize that that's like unfair for you to be able to love a crane? But oh my god, if Teresa loves a crane, ugh, her, her terrible, 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 terrible. I don't get that. Um, and also, a thing about this is that Teresa should hopefully realize is that this is just a hypothetical. Sometimes people hypothetically will say one thing, but when the situation really comes to pass, they'll say something else. I know this happens a lot with um, people, be, you know, if they're wondering before uh, revealing that, you know, coming out is gay or something, a lot of the times someone will say, yes, I would be fine with it, and then they're not fine with it. Or some people think they would not be fine with it, but upon realizing, oh, my son's gay, they come to accept it and don't, like, live out that hypothetical. So I don't know. But anyway, um, that's me putting a lot of my own thoughts into this, this show. So... Uh, Continuing on, yes, um, Miguel and Charity come back because they haven't been around for a while, and, uh, it gets interesting, where basically Charity says almost, quote, 
Do you want to make the relationship more special by taking it to the next level? And and they're like, clearly the writing is meant to like kind of obfuscate slightly what they're talking about. It's obviously sex, but I was like, Charity, girl, what's going on here? You're trying to get in it? Um, and basically Miguel and Charity sit down and have a talk about like, oh yeah, a lot of people are at school are doing it, but that doesn't mean everyone has to do it. It doesn't mean you have to. You don't have to be peer pressured into it. And like Miguel is being really sweet because basically saying, yes, I sometimes want to do it, but I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to, you know, try to pressure you. I'm going to let you determine if and when you want to. Like, oh, Miguel, that's so sweet. Most teenagers are not like this. <laughs> They'll just be like, we're going to do it or like we're not going to do it. We're not going to think about it. We're just going to do it. Or they're going to be like, oh, you won't do it. I'm going to leave you then. Like, there's a lot of stupidity in teenagers. So I was like, well, Miguel, you're smart in certain ways. Um, of course, he's also stupid in many ways. Like, why is he with Charity, who clearly needs assistance in ways that he cannot help her? Ah, but whatever. So what's going on here? As part of this scenario, Charity goes back home. Miguel is in his, you know, his showers and he goes into bed. And Hecuba's like, I can make sure that Miguel makes love to you, Kay. But the way that it's going to happen is Kay's going to be disguised as Charity to make love to Miguel. So Miguel's going to see Charity, but he's really making love to Kay. And to me, I'm wondering, how does this help Kay long term? Because Miguel's going to think he had sex with Charity. So how's it going to make him love Kay? It's not. It's only going to satisfy Kay's wish of having sex with Miguel. Once. Also, if it's Miguel's first time, that's not going to be very exciting sex, most likely. It's going to be very fast. So, uh, what does it matter if that's, like, her first time? Like, it's not a big deal, especially if it's a really terrible first time. I don't know. Arrgh. Um. Ah. <laughs> that's me just freaking out about this whole situation because Kay's ready to give up her soul to Hecuba in order to do this, to have, like, a minute of sex with Miguel. Why? I don't get it. Kay. And also... Yeah, this doesn't help you at all because it's just going to strengthen their relationship because they're... Well, actually, maybe it wouldn't because Charity would be, like, confused, wondering, like, I didn't have sex with you. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, apparently, though, this can... The spell will be broken if the real Charity comes back. And do they not know that the real Charity left and said she was coming back? She's like, I got my present for you and then I'm going to come back. Um, interestingly, while Kay is at home wrapping up her present... Uh, she starts getting flashes of seeing Miguel and herself, like, making out stuff. Um, because she's seeing what's happening right now. And that's her, I forgot, Char Charity has magic, so yeah. She's seeing flashes of what is happening. Uh, which is Kay as Charity trying to seduce Miguel. So, I don't know. I don't know, this thing is so weird. Um, yeah. And, of course, we've got kind of the end of it where Miguel I mean not excuse me Luis is is there with Sheridan in the you know in the for the funeral and Sheridan is fully like talking in her mind basically saying you know Luis I'm still alive I'm here I love you I'm not dead look at my finger because it's moving and that's where it ends because we basically don't get to see if Luis notices her finger wiggling um, and I don't know how it's supposed to be in this show, but, like, I don't know, is, like, she coming out of the coma now, so she's, like, slowly gonna be able to start moving more? Or is it literally, like, she's still in a coma and all she can do at all is move her finger? Um, but I would really love to hopefully have this close out with 
keep on realizing Sheridan is not dead. But I don't know how far the show may take that plot point. Like, is she going to pop up during the funeral session and scare everyone? Is she going to be lowered into the earth and then wake up, like, as they're doing it? Or is she going to be fully buried and then wake up and be banging on the, you know, the thing that she's in? How far are they going to take it? Or is it going to be, like, next episode she's fully awake or realized to be alive? Like, I just don't know what passions. It's too hard to tell. All I can say is I'm so relieved she's not dead. When she wiggled her finger, even though I had no idea what was going on, I was smiling because I love Sheridan and I don't want her gone. I want her around for the long term. I love her. And I love her and Louise together. It's so beautiful. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen. And also, if she was dead, I was wondering, if she wasn't dead, I was like, well, who's that spirit that Louise saw? I guess it was just his imagination and not like a you know, angel, ghost, Sheridan, which is sad. I kind of was hoping if she is dead, I hope that he gets to have her spirit like with him forever like that because that'd be really sweet and, you know, sad, but also sweet. Um, but she's not dead. She's in a coma. Everyone missed it somehow. I don't know. Sheridan's indestructible. She got three. Also, even if she was in a coma, did they like do things to like help her out? Did they like take the bullets out of her body? Um... I know that, like, I guess the people who do the, um, who prep the bodies for, like, open caskets and stuff, like morticians, um, they'll work on the face, certainly, if there's a need to, like, you know, fix some stuff there. But I don't know if they, like, clean up the body, like, would, because the bullet wounds, like, in her chest and stuff would not be exposed because she's wearing clothes, you know, in the open ca casket. Um... Did they take them out? Like, because if she's still, like, got bullets in her, how is she okay? Like... How is she still not bleeding? Like, what happened? She's a, super a superhero. Um, if she's still alive in this, you know, would she still be actively bleeding in the casket? Like, what happened? I guess they could have sewn her up, yeah. But but uh, again, how is she not bleeding? How is she not doing other things that would tip everyone off that she is still alive? No one knows. I mean, Teresa's able to kill herself, will herself to death because she's sad. So I guess anything is possible in this show. Anyway, I'm just so happy that Sheridan is not dead, although I'm going to be biting my fingernails wondering what's going to happen, like how far they're going to take it before anyone realizes she's dead. But um, yeah, this show is really something. I love Passions. I'll be back in two, two weeks with another, or what, two weeks? Yeah, two weeks with another episode. Sorry, I forgot my own uh, schedule. Anyway, we'll be back soon.